0: continuing in our Marcus series today, and then next, next week is going to be our last uh, uh, part of the Marcus series, but uh, for today, we're going to deal with a story that many of you are familiar with, but before we get into that, uh, how many of you uh, ever get to like a yield sign uh, on the road, and you feel that you should like be going straight away, right right away, but like cars just keep coming, and coming, and coming, and coming, and it's like you're waiting there forever, and ever, and ever, right? So there's this intersection at 136 and 543. So if you're going to turn right on uh, uh, off 136 under 543 going towards uh, the, the, um, the highway, towards 95, uh, you go there and it's a really tight angle. So you get there and you're waiting. And if the, gr- if the light is green right there at 543, it feels like you're waiting there for 10 minutes because you see a gap and then a car shoots, come through. And it keeps coming and coming. And I've been stuck there a few times, getting really, really, really Really frustrated, and sometimes when that happens, what uh, what I end up doing, I end up going when I probably shouldn't go in the first place, right? That's what happens because we get impatient. Sometimes you're coming out of a side road onto a main road, and I always find this happens to me, especially when the roads are busy. Uh, I'm looking both ways, and the one way cars keep coming and coming and coming. You're waiting. The cars stop as soon as the cars on one side stop. Immediately, cars on the other side start going and going and going, and you're waiting there forever. And in the end, you get impatient and you shoot out. And I know you guys do it just as much as me, right? So, and and that's what happens in life. And life can be like that at times. Life can be like that where we feel that we have to be going forward, but at times we are stuck somewhere and we're just waiting and waiting. It feels like everybody else is going except for us. It feels like we should should be on the same road as everybody else, but for some reason, we just have to stop, and we have to wait and yield to everybody else. How many of you like roundabouts at all? <laughs> roundabouts. Well, roundabouts remind me of life. We go round and round and round. Maybe this video will remind you of your life right now. Take a look at this. I guess what we do is just drive around this circle here. It should be the second left. There's the hotel hey, look, kids. There's Big Ben and there's Parliament. There it is, there it is, there it is. I know. I can't seem to get over to the left, honey. I'll try next time. Sorry. We'll get out of this jam in a minute. Kids? Big Ben? Parliament? Again? Kids? We know... Big Ben. Parliament. <laughs> Look, kids, forget it. <laughs> Is that, it's amazing. I cannot get left. <laughs> <laughs> There's Big Ben, kids, Parliament. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> He's, How many of you have ever felt like that? like on a roundabout. So we don't get many of them here, but if you go to the UK, you have like those three, four lane roundabouts and they are pretty hard to get left. And sometimes you go round and you go round and you go round again. Well, how many have ever feel like the Griswolds in life, that you feel like your life is going round and round and round in circles. You keep going again and again. The same thing happens again and again in life. It's like you feel that you've got to go there but you're here right now. You feel God's got so many plans for you. You've got plans for your life. You, you Maybe you've got plans for your career or plans for your family, plans for your marriage, and you want to get there, but you feel you're stuck on the roundabouts of life and you keep having to yield to everybody else. You feel that you never see anything new in your life, that your life is the same old, keep going round and round and, and round. And then you come to God and it feels like God isn't even here. In you. God doesn't even listen to you. You feel that God does not act in your life and you feel that life has stopped. And no matter how much you pray and ask of God, nothing changes at all. How many have ever felt like that? Like you've prayed and you've prayed and nothing happens. You're like, God, what, what, what's going on? And, and, and suddenly your faith starts to decrease a little and even you start doubting God. Well, if that is you, then the story of the Battle of Jericho is just for you this morning. And so we're going to take a look at this story. It's called uh, Joshua and the Battle of Jericho. If you ever went to Sunday school when you were a kid, you probably knew that. You probably sang some really... Like cheesy song to go with it as well. And then you probably all fell down at the end as a kid. And I'm not going to do it for you this morning. So, But that's what we're going to look at. So just before we turn in our Bibles and look at this story, I want to tell you about the city of Jericho. The city of Jericho was in the land called Canaan, which God had promised to the Israelites. Jericho was an evil city. It was full of pagan rituals, evil, evil people. And they despised the Israelites. They did not... Like the Israelites. But yet, Jericho was a city right in between where God had promised the Israelites that they were going to live and where they were right now. And they could not go into the promises of God without first going through the city of Jericho. Now, the city of Jericho was unlike any other city at the time because it was sat high up on a hill and it had these huge walls that surrounded the city. It was it was a, a, a city that no army had ever been able to defeat, and nobody could even think about defeating it. They're, they're, and when the Israelites went through and they came up to this city of Jericho, it was in the Bronze Age. So for those of you who remember history class all those years ago, it was in the Bronze Age, and there was no weaponry in the Bronze Age that would ever be able to get through these walls and defeat this city. Let me just tell you a little about the walls, how they were. So there was two sets of walls. There was an outer wall and then there was an inner wall. In the outer wall, the outer wall was, uh, was, was kind of far out from the city and they built these walls and the walls that they built were about 15 feet high. 14, 15 feet high these walls were. And then on top of the walls that they built, they put like these mud walls on top of that. they were about six feet higher. Archaeologists have discovered and dug under there and they've discovered how these walls work. And so the walls, the outer walls were probably about 20 feet high altogether in the beginning. And then behind that walls, the outer walls, there were homes that lived on the city walls. These were normally probably the poorer people who lived there. And if you remember a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Rahab the harlot who helped the spies of Israel. She lived on the wall. She probably lived in this outer wall uh, of Jericho. And then between the outer wall and the inner wall, there was this big, uh, long lot of land that went up a hill. And so there were homes that were built in this land And then up on the top of the hill, there was the inner wall. The height from that, uh, and this is what uh, uh, scientists, scientists have discovered, that the height of the base of the upper wall to where the ground level was, was about 46 feet. That's pretty high. Especially in those days, that would be high for us in, 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 in our day. But for those, that was a, that was a pretty deep drop, a, a pretty high altitude for a city to stand on. And what's more, the walls of this city, each of them, the outer wall and the inner wall, were probably about six feet wide as well. So you take like a Ken and like you stretch him out and you've probably got about the width of, of, of the walls. I'm not six feet, so I can't, uh, I can't say that at all. And so this is what the Israelites came to. They came to the city knowing they had to go through this city and defeat this city in order to enter into the promises of God. And they came to these walls, and these walls were impossible to get through. The walls were impossible to break down. It was impossible for the armies of Israel to be able to defeat the armies of Jericho. And sometimes in life, we come to walls like that. Sometimes we come up against obstacles and circumstances in life that seem like an impossibility. It feels like the walls are bearing down on us and there is no way through. There is nothing we can do. These walls of impossibility loom large over us and there is no humanly way through these walls. And some of you, you may have some of these in your life right now. Maybe some of you, you're going through a sickness right now and you feel there's no way that you can be healed of this sickness. Maybe some of you, you're going through a financial situation and there is no way, in humanly speaking right now, that you can get through that financial situation. Some of you, you're going through maybe some relational issues right now and there's no way that humanly possible right now you feel you can get through that relational issue. Maybe some of you, you are praying for your kids or your grandkids. Uh, because they've gone away from God and you have been praying and praying, but you feel there is no way humanly possible that they can come back to God and come back into relationship with God. Some of you you've got some relational issues with other people that you are maybe trying to find hard to forgive, and you feel that you can never forgive. Or maybe you're dealing with some jealousy, or maybe there's some things going on in your life, some some sins or whatever that you feel you cannot get over, and it's humanly impossible to do that. Well, if that's you, then this story is just for you. And so what I want us to do this morning, I want us to take a look at four truths that I've picked out of this story that I believe, honestly, it's not just some like quick get out of jail card, but I honestly believe that if you you take hold of these four truths, then you'll start seeing so many more breakthroughs in your life than what you're currently seeing right now. So, what happens when you come face to face with something that is bigger and stronger than you? Well, the first thing that you do is this you walk in obedience. You walk in obedience. If you want to turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 6, and we're going to start reading at verse 1. Joshua chapter 6, we'll start reading at verse 1. This is what it says. Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go in or out. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho, its king, and all its strong warriors. You and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. So out of these outer walls, march around them once a day for six days. Then he said this seven priests will walk ahead of the ark. That was the ark of God's covenant, which we talked about last week, represented the presence of God. And so they would walk in front of the ark, carrying a ram's horn. And then it says, on the seventh day, you are to march around the town seven times. With the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one loud blast uh, on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loud as they can, then the walls of the town will collapse and the people can charge straight into the town. So Joshua called together the priests and said, Take up the ark of the Lord's covenant and assign seven priests to walk in front of it, each carrying a ram's horn. Then he gave the orders to the people, march around the town and the armed men will lead the way in front of the ark of the Lord. After Joshua spoke to the people, the seven priests with the ram's horns started marching in the presence of the Lord, blowing the horns as they marched. And the ark of the Lord's covenant followed behind some of the armed men marched in front of the priests um, with the horns and some behind the ark with the priests continually blowing the horns. So this is what God told Joshua. Just to paraphrase that, there's this big old city with these walls. Everybody, especially the armed men, march around the walls once a day. Then there's seven priests. They've got these ram's horns, and they are to blow them as they are going around. No one else is to say anything. Just the sound of these ram's horns. And then when you get to the seventh day, march around it seven times. And then on the last time, when, when, when the priests blow the horns, everybody is to shout and to cheer on to God. See, the promise of God was this, that they would be able to take the city of Jericho. Remember, they could not go into the promises of God until they had been through Jericho. And so the promise of God was that they would take the city of Jericho. And God was very specific in what he wanted the children of Israel to do. They were to walk around the walls as an army. Now, let's be honest. This doesn't make sense. Because if you want to take a city, what you do is you take your armed men, you find the weakest part of the city, and then you go and attack that weakest part of the city. And so in their minds, they're thinking, this is what we need to do. But then God comes and says, no, I have a different plan for you. This would have been the last thing that Joshua would have thought about. Hey, everybody, why don't we walk around the city and let's survey the land and not say a word? I bet they were thinking, what is going on? What is God thinking? What is God asking us to do? Did you really, Joshua, hear from God that God would ask us to do? God would never ask us to do something like that. It seems foolish that God would ask us to do something like that. But yet this is what God asked them to do. See, Joshua had discovered early in his life, and it went into his leadership as he was leading the children of Israel, he discovered that when God speaks, you listen and you do, even if it doesn't make sense. You listen and you do, even if it doesn't make sense. Even if you think otherwise, there would be something else, another plan which would be much better. Obedience to God is essential. There was a guy called Samuel, who was a prophet of God, and he said to Saul, the king of Israel, many many years later, Saul had got a little impatient and he wanted God to do stuff when God wasn't ready to do it. And this is what Saul uh, Samuel said to Saul in 1 Samuel 15 verse 22. Samuel said to Saul, "What is more pleasing to the Lord? Your burnt offerings and sacrifices, or your obedience?" To his voice, meaning God's voice. Then he said this, listen, obedience is better than sacrifice. And submission is better than the offering of the fat of rams. So Samuel's saying this, any sacrifice that you make to God, anything that you give up for God, it comes secondary to obeying the voice of God. So when God tells you to do something, Samuel is saying here, you do it. And I believe that God is looking for people who will listen and then do. See, the reason that obedience is better than sacrifice, not that sacrifice is bad because sacrifice is good. But sacrifice is denying yourself where obedience is trusting in God. See, it's a lot easier to make sacrifices than obeying and trusting in God. And when those two come together, incredible things happen. But in your life, if you want to see a breakthrough, break through these walls that are bearing down on you, the first thing that you must do is obey God, the voice of God. For when you follow God's agenda, when you follow God's plan, when you listen to his instructions, you know what? He'll never leave you up the creek without a paddle. He'll always come through every single time because God will not leave you. God will not forsake you. The Bible says, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or begging for bread. Why? Because when we listen to the voice of God, God always comes through. So I ask you today, what in your life right now do you feel you may not be obeying God in? See, the obedience to God isn't about these rules that God has. It's about instructions God has to help us in life. How many of you have ever bought furniture from Ikea? Women are a whole lot better than this than guys. I totally admit that. This is what I did when I first started buying furniture from Ikea. I don't need the instructions. I'm like, I can put it together. Not a problem. But what I've discovered about furniture from Ikea, it's so complex. It's so difficult to understand that you have to read every single instruction. If like there's one little dowel that you forget to put in, the whole thing's going to collapse. Right? That's happened to me before. And so what I discovered now, after the wise words of my wife and, uh, and actually listening to the instructions, I now read every single instruction and I've put some Ikea furniture together and it hasn't fallen down and it's still up and it looks great for Ikea, right? Right. And that's what God is. God has a book of instruction for us. They are not rules of do's and don'ts. They are instructions to help us as we live our lives. And if we obey the instruction manual, life's going to be so much better than if we don't. So the number one thing that the Israelites did, that if you want to break through the walls of your life, walk in obedience. Number two, walk in patience. Walk in patience. Look at this, Joshua chapter six, verses 10 to 14. It says, Joshua six, 10 to 14. It says, do not shout, Joshua said. Do not even talk, Joshua commanded. Not a single word from any of you until I tell you to shout, then shout. So the ark of the Lord was carried around the town once that day, this was on day one. And then everybody returned to spend the night at the camp. Joshua got up early the next morning and the priests again carried the ark of the Lord. The seven priests with the ram's horns marched in front of the ark of the Lord, blowing their horns. Again, the army, the armed men, sorry, marched both in front of the ark of the priests with the horns and behind the ark of the Lord. All this time, the priests were blowing their horns. On the, second day, they, they, uh, on the second day, they again marched around the town once and returned to the camp. They followed this pattern for six days. Six days. What happens when you obey God and nothing changes? What happens when you obey the voice of God and you do what God does? You you listen to what the Bible says. you, you, You look at the instruction that God gives you, but yet nothing happens. Nothing changes in your life. I wonder how many of the Israelites, when they started walking around these walls after day one, they were like, well, that was a nice exercise. You know, we'll sleep good tonight. Day two, they get up. They walk around the walls again. They're saying nothing. They see nothing. There is, there is no indication that these walls are, are going to come down. There is no indication that they are going to win this war, this win this battle. But yet, day two, they come and camp again. I guarantee it. The Bible doesn't say it, but I know how us humans are. I guarantee it by day three, there was some murmuring in the camp. Some people were saying, this is just terrible. What is Joshua doing? What is Joshua smoking? I mean, come on. Let's be honest. Let's just go and do what we know we have to do. Wisdom will tell us, go find the weakest point of the walls and let's go attack it. What are we even doing? I guarantee as they walk around the walls on day three and day four and day five, that there was, they were starting to doubt, thinking God is not going to come through. God is not going to do anything here. And I bet by day six, the people of Jericho were peering over the walls and probably looking at the Israelites, and they started throwing insults. Where is your God? What? You will never be able to overcome these walls. And that's what happens in our lives. See, we start to follow God and trust in God, and we have these big walls that come. But yes, the more we follow God, sometimes those walls don't come down. Then the voices of doubt come in, other people start, you know, start, start having their say, and eventually we start thinking, well, maybe I didn't hear from God. Maybe that wasn't what God wanted me to do. Maybe I should just do what everybody else is doing. See, in the minds of the Israelites, I wonder how many thought this was a pointless exercise. In this, this summer, uh, some of my, uh, my family came. My brother-in-law and his family came to visit. And I have a little nephew called Pepito. He's like 11 or 12. And he's got a little thyroid problem. And so he probably needs to play soccer a little bit more and not eat as many potato chips, if you get my drift. And so we were in D.C. And he's the youngest, but yet he's not the fittest. And uh, so we're walking around D.C. We take him to D.C. And you know if you've been to Washington, D.C., it's a long walk. And so normally we do a whole lot of walking. But we knew that Pepito probably wouldn't be able to walk as much and, and stuff. And so we didn't do as much walking. Well, we had walked from like, the Natural History Museum to the, the American History Museum. We went and saw the Washington Monument, if you're familiar with Washington, D.C. And then we go up to the, uh, uh, the Holocaust Museum. Well, I just look back, and he is like, we're all like in a line walking. He's about 100 yards behind. He's like, my feet, I can't do this. He is like, I can't, he he looks like he's 80 years old. I mean, honestly, walking around. I'm like, I felt like getting a walker for him. You know, I mean, I'm like, come on, you're like 12 years old. When I was 12 years old, I would run like five miles barefooted. You know, I mean, we say stuff like that. And so he is walking and he is getting so impatient because he just doesn't want to walk anymore. But yeah, you know what happened when we got to some of the places? He had had a little disappointment that day, and that's a story for another day. And he was a little bit miserable for most of the day. Then in the end, he came out of it. But eventually, when we got to the places we were going, he'd forgotten about the walk and the pain and these blisters until we had to start walking again. But that's what life is like. See, sometimes the journey can be painful. Sometimes it can be like we're waiting, we're walking and walking, and we don't see anything. But once we get what God has promised us, we forget the pain of the past. We forget the, the, the journey of how difficult the journey was because we realize that the, the destination is so much greater than the journey. But this is what I've discovered. Life is as much about the journey as it is about the destination. See, in those six days that God was telling the Israelites to walk around the walls of Jericho, God was building their character, building their faith. He was showing them stuff in them. If he had just gone day one, bang, the walls come crashing down, they would have learned nothing. And in your life right now, walk in patience. Because it's in patience that God is building you and strengthening you. See, the patient journey is difficult. But yet, if you keep going, eventually, you will see God come through. Galatians chapter 6 and verse 9 tells us this. Let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap the harvest of blessing if we don't give up. And I tell you today, wherever you are in your life, if you're praying for somebody or you're praying for something in your life, you're waiting for God to just come and and do some things, if you're waiting for those walls of life to come crashing down, stay in the race, stay there, be patient, because eventually you will see that God will come and fulfill his promises. So walk in obedience, walk in patience. Number three, walk out of the ordinary. Walk out of the ordinary. Look at this, Joshua chapter 6, verse 15. It says, On the seventh day, the Israelites got up at dawn and marched around the town as they had done before. But this time, they went around the town seven times. Now, if I'm Joshua and the Israelites, I'm thinking, God, you have it all wrong. If this is the day that we are to go and capture Jericho, that we are going to go through Jericho and start fulfilling the promises of God, we need to be fresh, right? Our armies need to be fresh. We need to, to, to be able to have a good night's sleep and go in there with all of our strength. But this is what God says, no, today you're going to do seven times as much as what you've done before. It makes no sense whatsoever, Yet God walks out of the ordinary. See, Romans tells us this. He says, do not follow the behavior or the customs of this world, but let God transform you by changing the way that you think. Because the Israelites in that moment started realizing that God's plan is better than our plan. God's ways are better than this world's ways. God's uh, God's promises are so much greater than where we are right now. And if God asks you to do something, often it seems so counterproductive. I believe this is why it's hard to walk in obedience because at times it's easy to walk in obedience if it makes sense, right? But yet it it isn't easy to walk in obedience when it doesn't make sense and often it doesn't make sense. The Bible tells us that God's ways are not our ways. God's ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are greater than our thoughts. And if you want to see a breakthrough in your life, then sometimes you have to just do things out of the ordinary. Jesus one day was walking, a blind man came up to him. And Jesus had this history of touching people and they were healed. Or the people said, Jesus, heal me. And Jesus would say, your words have made you well. Well, this blind man came up to to Jesus. And you know what Jesus did? He got down in the mud, picked up some mud, spat in his hands and smeared it over the guy's eyes. And then he said to him, okay, go wash yourself in the river. I mean, who does that? I mean, who spits in somebody else's eyes? I mean, he was blind, so he couldn't see probably. But anyway, who does that? But Jesus does. You know why? Because Jesus walks out of the ordinary. It's when you walk out of the ordinary, you start seeing God, and you have to trust God more than you do before. A couple of months ago, I was talking to a successful salesperson, and they said this to me. Alex, if you want to be successful, then you have to do one thing each day that makes you feel uncomfortable. One thing each day that makes you uncomfortable. When we started this church, I knew we wanted to reach people that other churches were not reaching. There was no point in starting a church reaching people that other churches were reaching. And I heard time and time again, people saying, Alex, if you want to reach people, nobody else is reaching. You're going to have to do things nobody else is doing. And that's like in our life. If you want to see the same results time and time again, just do the ordinary. Do what everybody else is doing. But if you want to see the extraordinary, if you want to see the impossible become possible, then you have to walk out of the ordinary. There will be times when you have to trust in God and walk out of the ordinary. And the people who defeat the Jerichos of this life, they don't walk in the normal. They walk out of the ordinary. Walk in obedience, walk in patience, walk out in the ordinary, and finally today, walk letting out a cheer. Walk letting out a cheer. Joshua chapter six, verses 16 to 20. This is what it said. The seventh time around. So they'd walked out of the ordinary. As the priests sounded the long blast of their horns, Joshua commanded the people, shout, for the Lord has given you the town. That's faith, right? Declaring what God has already promised. Jericho and everything in it must be completely destroyed. As an offering of the Lord, only Rahab the prostitute and the others in her house will be spared for she protected our spies. Do not take any of the things set apart for destruction or you yourselves will be completely destroyed and you will bring trouble on the camp of Israel. Everything made from silver, gold, bronze or iron is sacred to the Lord and must be brought into his treasury. When the people heard the sound of the ram's horns, they shouted as loud as they could. Remember like back in, on September 20th, we shouted in this place. And the place shook. I was impressed with your shout. Theirs was like 10 times louder. Suddenly, the walls of Jericho collapsed. And the Israelites charged straight into the town and captured it. You know, in this story, it talks nothing about the battle. Nothing that went on. You know, who killed who? You know, who was the great warrior? Who had the biggest body count? You know, it doesn't talk about that. It talks about the cheer that they made the cheer to God see on the seventh time around the people let out a cheer after walking in obedience after being patient after becoming different and seeing nothing then letting out a cheer to God it broke those walls and in your life right now, if you're at that place where you've been obedient, if you've been walking in patience, and you've done things out of the ordinary for God, but you are still not seeing anything, if you have it in you to let out a cheer, it is through that cheer, through what we call that worship unto God, that is where breakthroughs are made. Walls come crashing down, not by chiseling away at them, but by shouting to God. See, God shakes the walls, and they come crashing down. See, it's easy to shout to God when everything is great. But to have that shout in you when you're tired, you're worn out, when you doubt God, that is so much more powerful. When we started this church, we just didn't think we were going to be able to make it. We didn't have enough money. We didn't have enough people. We didn't have uh, uh, enough resources. We had a lot of opposition. And my wife and myself, we went down to Atlanta Georgia to this like little training thing that we went to. And one Sunday morning we were there and we went to a church just outside Atlanta called Free Chapel. And it was a big church and we were there and we were broken because we just couldn't see a way through for God to start this church. And I remember in that church service, suddenly as the worship started, it was like God just came and like showered us suddenly the tears started coming down my eyes and I started worshiping God like I had not worshiped God for a long, long time. I came out of that church service and I knew God was going to make it happen. Even though we couldn't humanly possibly think, see that it was going to happen, we knew that God was going to bring down the walls so that we could walk through and we could start this church. In January of 2014, During a time of prayer and fasting, my wife and myself had. We had been trying for eight years to have a child. We'd been through some fertility treatments, and it did not happen. And I remember one night, we put some worship music on in our house, and we had prayed, and we'd read the Bible together, and we just came to God. I remember at the end, we came, and we said, okay, what did you feel God was saying? You know, did you feel anything? And I remember looking at my wife, tears coming down her eyes, and she said this. I want a child more than anything else. She says, but I've realized tonight, Jesus is enough. She says, even if we never have a child, that's okay because Jesus is enough. I heard that, and it's like something jumps in my soul. Because I believe that was the moment. That we saw the breakthrough in our infertility. It wasn't six months later when we got pregnant, whenever that was. It was that moment that we saw the breakthrough. Why? because it was through the pain and the hardship obeying God, walking in patience, going out of the ordinary, believing in God not seeing anything tired and worn out where we should have been totally doubting God hurting, being angry at God no it was through the shout of a praise saying Jesus is enough that our miracle happened and our wall came crashing down and in your life as well if there's walls in your life right now that that, that are coming bearing looming. High over you. I believe that through the worship to God and declaring who God is, that's when real breakthroughs happen. So I ask you today what impossible situation are you facing in your life right now? What walls are looming large over your life? What is God asking you to do? Walk in obedience, be patient. Walk out of the ordinary and then walk letting out a cheer to God and watch what God will do. See, I've always believed that life is just as much about the journey. And it's on this journey that it's hard and it's tough. But if you have it in you to let out a shout like those Israelites, watch the walls come crashing down. The Israelites that day, they went and captured Jericho. The rest of the land feared the Israelites. There was no stopping them after that. They, if they could go through the town that nobody else could defeat, then there was no stopping what God could do in their lives. Whatever you're going through, whatever your experience, obey, be patient. Step out of the normal and then come to God and just watch what those walls will do in your life. Let's bow our heads in prayer.